It's good to be back. Did you, anyone see the show last night? You had a good night, yeah? Last night. It's like, what have you been doing all this time? Where have you guys been? What are you, did you have fun in Swellington today? Yes, it was lovely, yes. Well, for those of you who don't know, my name is Jim Short. I'll give you the quick recap. I'm originally from Australia, and I live in America sometimes, but at the moment I live right here, and the last three years have been kind of crazy, so there we go, you're up to speed. I've been doing stand-up comedy for, I just realised, 34 years. I had my 34-year anniversary of the first time I stepped on stage. That was back in November, and I know, and here I am in the Rolling Stone Lounge uh, 34 years later. And I thought, well, what do I have to show for myself? I make $6,000 a year doing this. <laughs> US. And um, I have some books and some uh, pants and that's it. And I thought, man, I'm a loser. You know, and that's sad and depressing. Then it hit me and I realised I'm not a loser. I've tried. I am a failure. <laughs> it's more poetic sounding. It's how you sell it, right? And... And, now, and I'm joking, of course, I'm here tonight. I'm successful by my standard. You guys are here and this is a great room. We had fun last night. And I've been doing chips since about 2018. And here's the comment I've had the most from people who've come to see my show on the ships. People come up and say, I don't like comedy, but I enjoyed your show. <laughs> yeah, that's a win. It's a win, isn't it? Because... I take it like, well, it's not really my thing, comedy, but you were so witty and charming, I really enjoyed it. It's either that or I don't like comedy and what you did was so far from it. Thank you very much. It worked for me. So you can decide where you want to fall on that one there. But I've been doing comedy and travelling around. That's been my entire life. And the last couple of years, for those of you who know, I've been at my mum and dad's place in Queensland, Australia just watching TV, so yeah. <laughs> watching a lot of the news, and the news is, it's interesting to watch the news around the world, because I live in America, and we, I know we have a lot of American people. American news, it used to be journalists, they'd give you information, right? They were regular looking people. They would give you the news information, right? And then they got rid of them. You're old and wrinkly, go be on the radio, go do something else. All the news people in America now are, are gorgeous. They're young and tan. They're like models. They're dressed up. They have ridiculous names. I'm Stone Canyon. Here is the news tonight. <laughs> More headlines in a moment, but just look at me instead. I'm gorgeous. Hi, how are you? Then you see, like, the best news, the British news. In England, they don't have models. They find the most decrepit, inbred, twisted creature you've ever seen. <laughs> Find them lurking in caves and shine the lights over there. Quick, get him in front of the camera, pop him over that way, it'd be brilliant. Anytime anything happens in the UK, they can't. Now we go to the BBC, it's always this guy, it's always like, hello, how are you? I say, it's been a bit of a sticky wicket over here. Anyway, I'm popping back to the studio. Cheerio, ta ta, farewell. <laughs> I do that joke and I think, well, who am I making fun of, really? Because that's my face that I used for that joke. <laughs> that's not hours in the makeup chair, that's me pulling out my ears. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, but the news, you know, the news, the news is always sort of the news, you know, in the last few years we've had the thing, we've had the thing, right? It's all been out there and... But we've had things before that, remember a few years ago? And the news, they love it. The swine blue is coming. Everybody in the world is expecting to get swine blue. I just gave it to you. That's how you get it from me on the TV news. 
Before that, it was bird flu, right? If you see a sneezy bird, go the other direction. Look out for a bird with a Kleenex and a Sudafed at the <laughs> pharmacy or the chemist. I wanted, to, I wanted to see a bird with the flu, a bird in its nest, like, ah. Oh. The moment of hanging out his beak, I can't even squawk. <laughs> Calling in sick, I can't mess on statues today, mate. I've got bird flu. <laughs> there were cases. People in Turkey got bird flu, and um, yeah, look, it's not, it's not funny. It's not, it's not funny that they that they got bird. And it's funny they got bird flu in Turkey. Uh, <laughs> It's not funny they got bird food, it's funny they got bird If I was there, I'd go, I'm annoyed, but I see the humour in the situation of having bird flu in Turkey. That's like freezing in Chile, or uh, starving in Hungary, slipping over in Greece, fishing accident in Wales. I'm going to attempt to have a drink of water. This is my gigantic bottle of water here. I don't think I will drink all of it in this go, but you never know, I can get very thirsty doing this. It's very hard work to do. Did anybody, on the late show last night, I was trying to take the cap off and it was already off. That's what you're dealing with here, folks, a real mental giant. Mm. Stay hydrated, my friends. Yes, there we go. So, I, I travel. That has been my, my life, you know. So for the last three years, it was interesting to stay home and lose money by not going anywhere, you know what I mean? Because I'm used to travelling around doing comedy and not making money, and I got to lose money at home, so it was a great compromise in a way, but I've always been, go I've always on the run, I'm always going and doing something. I remember um, when I was in, in, in LA, I remember a few years back, I went to go do this show, right? So I show up at the airport, LAX airport, I don't know how there's an X in there, there's no X in Los or Angeles, it's LAX. That's LA, you know, let's throw an X in there. Let's be interesting, shall we? So I show up six in the morning to, to take my flight and uh, I'm very excited because I have a first class seat on the flight. Now, I, I will tell you, uh, you already know this because we, we chatted last night. You know what kind of person I am. I'm never in first class. You could tell by looking at me as soon as I walked out last night. He's not a first class stuff. I don't have that kind of money. I don't spend that kind of money. I sit in the back with the people. <laughs> Unless you buy me a first class seat, then I'm right up there and nobody look at me when you're boarding. Thank you very much. Okay, so I'm on the flight. I'm doing a bit of stuff on my phone before we take off. Again, it's six in the morning. It's just us special people in first class, right? And I'm here doing some stuff. And across from me, there's a much older chap and uh, probably his wife. And, and, and they, they've, got, they've got a fair amount of stuff with them. Some people travel light. And some people, they're in the house and they go, we have lovely things. Let's bring all of it with us trying to find somewhere to put it on this little tube. So this bloke's over here and there's a bag and another one and another one and then he, and then he comes over this side. He's on my own, this is my side, you know, and he's over here and there's a few more things and, and there's a lot of stuff. And I said to myself, on the inside, I didn't say it out loud because I'm a, a decent person, um, publicly, I mean, inside, I'm horrible, but um, <laughs> I said, this man has no concept of space. And at that moment, I just happen to look up, and he turns, and I see his face, and it's William Shatner. <laughs> really, it's Captain Kirk from the Star Trek, right there. So I, I quickly, I correct myself. He knows a good amount about space. 
Just not the bit with the bags. Overhead space is his final frontier. So now, now I'm excited. Now it's a different dynamic, right? Because it's, it's not just a bloke with a lot of stuff. It's not even a celebrity. It's a legitimate cultural icon. It's Captain Kirk from Star Trek right there. So I feel like, okay, I should make contact with him because I'm also in show business. That's the funniest thing I'm going to say all week. I, I couldn't even say it without laughing. I've got, I've got seven late-night TV credits and two of them are reruns. So, uh... But what... What, what do you say to, to William Shatner? He's heard it all, right? Because in the US he does the Priceline commercials for cheap tickets. So I'm like, did you get your ticket on Priceline? Or was Scotty not able to beam you up? He's heard everything his entire life. And, and I don't want to annoy him, right? And I want to, if I say anything, I want to have something interesting. So I'm sitting there and we take off and I'm, I'm like, hang on. And I'm going through his career and I think, maybe, maybe I've got it. And I think, okay, I'm waiting for the right moment. I'm sitting on some gold right now, all right? Because this goes way back into his career. And I, I want to jump up at some point during the flight and go, there's a monster on the wing of this plane. <laughs> some of you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the Twilight, Twilight Zone. Zone. You ever seen that? One of the greatest episodes of TV ever. William Shatner's looking out the window. He's just gotten out of the asylum because he had a freak out on another plane ride, right? And he's looking out and only he can see the monster pulling the wires out of the window. That's the perfect thing to yell out on a flight with William Shatner. <laughs> Except there is no moment ever on any flight to yell out, there's a monster on the wing of this plane if, you know, you want to fly again. <laughs> That's immediate no-fly list right there. So I've travelled uh, all over America and all over Canada and I've travelled a bit of Australia and I've been to and the cruises, I've been all around the world doing this stuff and a few years back a friend of mine asked me if I would do some shows with her, open her concerts up in uh, Europe and I'd never been to Europe before so I was very excited and so we go over there so we fly over and get to Berlin, Germany and that's the first gig, right? So I check into my hotel and uh, I don't know if you guys have been over that way. It's, it's, it's beautiful, lovely, but it's inter the hotels are different. So first off, I'm a bit jet lagged, right? And I wanted a bit of air, so I opened up my window, I unlatched it, I opened it, and somebody's already laughing. The window opened all the way. And I didn't expect it, because I've been in hotels mostly in America, all over America. You do not get a full window in an American hotel. You were not trusted with that level of window. <laughs> It stops, it only opens. If you want fresh air, you've got to stick a nostril out and breathe in. But they're making sure you're staying in the room. So then, then I want to go to the bathroom. So I walk into the, uh, to the bathroom and I think, boy, I'm, I'm seeing double, I'm jet lagged. There's two toilets in here, I'm out of it. Got two toilets in this old thing. Oh, where are we going? I kicked that one. Well, that's the real one. And bang, that's also a real one. Now I'm shocked. Hang on, hang on. Now it's a different situation. There, there are two toilets, so it's different. I, I don't, I don't, I don't need to. I've, ne I've never had to call the front desk. Can we get another toilet up here? Mate? Can it be a very busy week in Berlin, Germany. Let me tell you that. I'm a little shocked, right? Because there's two toilets in here and so I'm looking at this one here and then I realise oh hang on hang on I'm jet lagged and I'm forgetting I'm in Europe it's a bit fancier they have a toilet and then they have like a post toilet situation over here and I'm not sure how you navigate between the two because they're close but it's still distance 
So I'm intrigued. I, I never grew up that fancy. So I'm looking at it and I'm trying to, you know, I'm like, okay. All right. And here's what struck me. And I don't, I don't know. I've only seen, oh, I've seen one there in Berlin and I've seen one since in Dubai. But um, what they look, they look exactly like the other. They look identical except the other one does not have a seat. And that's a deal breaker for me. <laughs> I'm not sitting on a rim. That, I, I know I, I say I'm not fancy, but that's where I draw my line. Seems a little unhygienic, unsanitary to me. So I don't know. You either sit on the on the rim, or you kind of got to sit a hover. You kind of got to get. You got to have good knees for this thing here, or someone to hold you. I don't know. I, mean, that's, I don't know what relationship people have with whoever they're. And I'm on my own, so. <laughs> It's a lot of angling, because all the, all the controls on this one are in the back. That's design floor. <laughs> you, you know when you're driving and you're trying to keep your eyes on the road, but you know your phone charges in the back, you're like, yeah, you're doing a bit of that sort of backseat rail, trying to feel around for it. That's what, that's what it's like. It's all back here. It should just be a pedal where you go, oh, yeah, okay, that's exactly what we do. We're getting one of these in the house. Honestly, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if you guys have tried one of these things out. I had a go, and my, my, my quick review is, a lot of work, little little payoff, you know? Because <laughs> all you end up doing, all you, you really learn is how high you've got to hike up your coat or your shirt, <laughs> so you're not damp too much in this region. <laughs> I was very wet. <laughs> it's not worth it, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just, look, if it's gotten to that point, how about a shower? <laughs> Start the day again, there's no shame in it. <laughs> now, I don't know who's been to Germany. I really liked Germany. We were in a few cities in Germany. Germany was great. But if you haven't been there, I'll just tell you this on the side. It's a, it's a bit German. <laughs> they really push the German thing over there. They speak the German and they do the German over there. So just, that's all I'm saying. And there's nothing wrong with it, but it takes a couple of days to adjust because you're like, boy, everyone's annoyed at me. Everyone's loud. Because it's a bit, ein and schwein and look below the nine and nine, you know. And you're like, I went to the shop and I'm walking out. I bought something and they went, bitter. I'm like, they're bitter, they're mad, they're angry. What have I done to Germany? <laughs> takes you a couple of days to realise, no, they're not mad. They just sound like that. That's just it. Because I was in France, and again, I've told you last night, I don't speak French, but I could listen to French all day. French, it's lyrical. You could abuse me to my face in French, and I'd stand there and I'd go, oh, I like the sound of that, mate. That is, that is very nice, mon ami. But German, it's all, and I thought that was angry, so it took me a couple of days to go, oh, okay, it's just, I've got to switch to German mode and just, you know, handle it, because they just, they just sound like that. And uh, they're very nice, don't get, don't get me wrong, I'm, I have to always clarify, I enjoyed Germany, I enjoyed the German people. I, it just took me a day or two to, to figure it out. Uh, I'm not anti-German, I'm not, um, I, I know it sounds like a cliche, I have friends in Germany, I, I do, I do. I have fans in Germany, it's, it's the same two people that I know. But I know them because they're my fans. They used to live in the US and they would come to my shows and they used to see me on CBS TV and they would come out. And um, 
I'm not going to tell you the names because that wouldn't be good. Um, well, I, I know her, I, I, but I, I, I know the lady's name because she's my fan, and her husband, I don't think he's so much of a fan, he just goes along. And I say husband because I don't know his name. And it's awkward. Do you ever know people you don't know all that well because they're fans of yours from TV and you know her name? But you don't know the spouse's name and it's awkward. And as an Australian, we have a name we can call anyone. For at least a decade, you can get away with calling someone mate. Hey, good to see you again, mate. Do you enjoy the show? Well, I'd about used up my mate on this one, you know. So, and I, 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 do, I, I do know the guy's name. His name is, is, check this out, it's either, it's either Wolf or Ulf. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, work with me. That's not that far off. So they come to the show in Cologne and they're backstage, I get them backstage and all that stuff and I'm talking to them and I, and I, and I, fi I figure, okay, I'm gonna be honest with this bloke and I'm gonna say, look, man, can you tell me, I'm not quite sure, is your name Wolf or is it Ulf? And I think he's going to appreciate the honesty. I said, is it Wolf or Ulf? And he looks at me and he says, Yeah. <laughs> now I'm trying to think, well, what did I say to him in English that sounded like, you know, a yeah or nine question? <laughs> because I don't think that's what I asked him. So now I'm just, I'm off, you know, and I'm like, well, is it Wolf or is it Ulf? You know, because Wolf. Wolf, I know. Wolf, I can picture. We, we've all got an idea of a wolf, okay? Wolf, I'm not so... It's not so apparent to me, you know? So I did look it up. Wolf, uh, uh, wolf means uh, wolf. <laughs> exactly. Pick the best one and go with it, right? And the best one is wolf, right? Because wolf... It's wolf. I'm wolf. I'm wolf. It has, it has, it has some connotation to it. I'm wolf. It has more strength. Wolf is like, you know, it's like, it's like the difference between being like a vampire and being an umpire. <laughs> Nobody's scared at midnight that the wolf man is going to show up. <laughs> so <laughs> during the pandemic, I looked it up. His name is actually Wolf. <laughs> Anyway, so, but uh, Germany was great. And then we went over to um, Amsterdam. Anybody been to Amsterdam? Did you have a good time? Amsterdam is wonderful. And I think Amsterdam gets the, well, I used to live in San Francisco, so I knew a lot of people who went to Amsterdam, of course. Amsterdam gets the best word of mouth on the planet, doesn't it? Everybody comes back, oh, Amsterdam, they're gonna move there. Oh, I love it, it's the best place in the world. I brought somebody home with me, you know, Amsterdam is amazing, it's, it lives in my heart, you know. And it is, it's amazing, it's gorgeous and it's fun, it's a brilliant place and we were, we were in Amsterdam. But what nobody tells you is there's a hundred million people on bicycles and they're all angry at you for existing. <laughs> Anybody else almost get run over by a bike in Amsterdam? Yeah. It, it, it didn't work for me, it didn't work, the, the city worked, the bike thing didn't work, because I'm cool, I'm cool with everyone. I'm cool, I'm cool, also, you know, if I'm if I'm on uh, in my car and I'm driving around and you're there in your bike, uh, even though you're ruining everyone's day, which you are, I'll slow down for you because that's me. I'm a good person. But when I'm walking, nobody, nobody. Uh, today, those um, those e-scooter things. Have you encountered them? Uh, do you walk? Do you guys walk? 
Do you, do, you, do you get out there? It's the most dangerous thing you can do, walking in a city anywhere. <laughs> even other pedestrians annoy me. This dude is walking today. This has happened. It's not even a joke. This guy, my age or older, he walks, stops. Walks, stops. Down the high street there in Wellington. And I'm like, he's doing something. And I'm like, is he on his phone? Is he on his phone? I get up and I have a look. He's doing a scratch off. <laughs> I guess it was my unlucky day, but but I'm in, I'm in Amsterdam, right? And I'm walking about, and these bike people, and, and they're all in a hurry. That's what threw me off, because I thought if there's anywhere in the world where people are going to be like, you know, not in a rush, it's going to be Amsterdam. Let's let's sit back, let's just chill out, let's be mellow today. I couldn't even bo- possibly ride a bike, not in these wooden shoes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, they're all going to be somewhere right now, and I'm in their way, you know. Like sons of anarchy on ten speeds there in Amsterdam, <laughs> and I'm walking down the street, right? And what they do, they 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 come right up behind you. It's kind of passive aggressive. They come right up behind you, really fast, and they ring their bell, and that's your signal as a pedestrian to get out of their way. Well, that's that's horrible. That's rude, you know. And I, I, you know, that'd be like if I was walking down the street and I see some bloke way up in, uh, ahead of me who's not even in my way, and I run up and I run up and I run up and I'm gling, 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 ring the bell and I punch him in the back of the head. <laughs> What's that about? Like, oh, I rang the bell. <laughs> no, I, I, I have a bike. I, I'm not a bicyclist. I'm not serious about the bike. I don't have a. I have a costume when I go riding. <laughs> I dress up like Tron or a superhero when I'm on the bike. <laughs> With the helmet and the goggles and the, the tight, multicolored spandex. That's why you're annoyed you're wearing that uncomfortable outfit. Just put on regular clothes, mate. Enjoy, enjoy yourself on your bike. You're not in a race, you're on a bike, mate. Just I ride, I ride my bike around. I'm like Father Brown riding around the village, trying to figure out why there's so many murders in my parish. They must not be listening on Sunday. The only trouble I had when I was in Europe is I got ill in Sweden. I got food poisoning. I was violently ill with food poisoning in Stockholm, Sweden. I had some spaghetti, and it made me really sick. And I was talking to somebody afterwards, and they said, well, you don't eat spaghetti in Sweden. <laughs> like every traveller knows this, like it's a secret, you know. It's in one or two of the rough guides, the guidebooks. Do not touch any spaghetti in Sweden. You may have eaten an Ikea meatball in the past, but do not touch any spaghetti. In Iceland, do not have any corn dogs. <laughs> I got really sick and I had spaghetti because it was right there. There was an Italian place next to the hotel because we're on tour. We're in a different city, different country just about every single day and we're moving around. There's not a lot of time. And my friend, well, she's not even my friend anymore, but she's <laughs> she's wealthy. She keeps telling me, although she didn't pay me that much, but she, she's, <laughs> she's really wealthy and she's you know a little bit famous-ish enough to be doing shows in Europe. And she wants to eat traditional Scandinavian food. You know what that is? That's where they, they'll take a fish and they wrap it in some paper and they put it in this ornately carved wooden box and then they stuff it under a mattress for 18 years. <laughs> and it becomes rotten and nasty and gelatinous. And, it, and oh, and the, the odour. Like people in two villages away, they're over there going, cool. That is ready to be served to tourists. It's done. <laughs> 
So she's like, it's $500 a box. She wants to eat that. I'm like, you go enjoy it. I'll go have spaghetti. She eats the rotten fish. Not a problem. I eat spaghetti. I'm at the show that night. And I start feeling, oh, and then I threw up all night in my hotel. Just, I, I know it's, it's awful. I was so sick. And when you throw up in Scandinavia, it just sounds like, Bjorn! <laughs> I had local blokes knocking on my hotel room door. Who's calling me in there? This is Bajoran. I've got tennis players and ABBA members congregating in the corridor. We went to, uh, this isn't really part of the show, but I'll throw it in you because I feel like we bonded. There's a... There's a movie, I don't know if you watch any of the movies in your room, but you probably do plenty of other stuff than watching the movies, but if you're up there watching a movie, it's a documentary about a restaurant in Copenhagen called Noma, and if there's any foodie people out here, you might know of it. It's, it's one of the most uh, uh, well-respected restaurants in the world, and, and, and at this time when we were in Europe, it was like number one restaurant in the world for a, a couple of years, and there's a documentary on it on your TV, so you can tell I'm, I'm, I'm telling the truth. But um, we, we, we went, I didn't eat there because I'm, you know, I'm not famous. Because it's, it's like $900 a meal. And um, you've got to be famous to get in there. So I showed up afterwards and we interviewed the chef, Rene Redzepi, who's really an interesting uh, guy. And his whole ethos is local, local food, but he's a forager. Do you know what the foraging movement is? Well, that's where they go out in, in like the wild and in the woods and they forage... Uh, moss was his big thing, foraging moss. And I know I've said that, and probably everybody out there is like, oh, God, he mentioned it. Now I could murder a big bowl of moss right about now. <laughs> Sorry if I've made everyone hungry. <laughs> but I didn't eat, but he did make me, he, made, he personally made me some duck, and he gave me some of this um, uh, chocolate uh, dessert made out of seaweed. And it was delicious, so whatever they're doing. But my friend, she ain't there, and she told me that, uh, like, course number three, it's like 14, 15 courses. Course number three is a, a plate of, like, a couple of veggies and ants. But they're live, so you got to, you know, that's money running off the table. <laughs> and I don't know how they pass inspection with the health inspector. You've got an ant problem. No, no, no. It's course three, man. It's course three. <laughs> Don't close me down. <laughs> he probably never intended to serve ants, and they just had an infestation, and he had to be quick on his feet. <laughs> People eat them, mate. People eat them. But I've been, I've been in uh, lots of places, and I watch, I watch travel documentaries, and um, uh, the travel, even that. I was watching this documentary. These three guys, they were from somewhere in the UK, and they went out to. Um, the Amazon jungle, and they wanted to, this is what they said, they said they wanted to live with a tribe, with a primitive tribal uh, technology. And so a couple of days into it, them and the tribe, they're out in the, in the middle of the rainforest, and it's graphic, they, the tribe, they, they pull a monkey out of a tree, and of course, that ends up being dinner that night. And I couldn't have a travel show, because I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to eat that. And the tribe would get mad. We cooked the monkey just for you. Yeah, well, you should have checked because I don't, uh, I don't like monkey. But 
they get mad about it. And they're not just mad for them. They're mad their entire culture has been insulted by you for not eating a monkey. I'm like, hang on, that's more monkey for you, the dudes who like monkey. I'm the good guy here. You get extra monkey tonight. I'm going to bed hungry. You're chowing down. I don't want to be rude to anyone, but I'm like, why, why do I have to eat it just because, of, you know, I know you cooked it, but, but it's, I don't want monkey, you know. What if it was flipped? What if they come to my place to do a documentary? Not the whole tribe, because there's a bunch of them, but like, the two most medium-sized guys you have, send them over. They're living with me in LA for a I've given them the Wi-Fi password, they're going crazy, they're wearing shoes for a couple of days, and they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, this is fun, man. And I walk in and go, you guys hungry? Yeah, yeah, you know, all through a translator. You guys want to eat? I'll make some pancakes. And they went, we don't want to eat pancakes. I wouldn't be mad about it. You know, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, get out. It's pancakes or nothing. If you've insulted me on the pancake heritage, so you can leave and don't let the door heat and the loincloth on the way out. I wouldn't say that because it doesn't matter. First off, I'd just walk in. You guys, you, you want pancakes? You don't want pancakes. Okay. Well, good thing I didn't make them yet. <laughs> good thing I walked in here and asked you. That's communication, which helps every situation. And that's why you can't just pop a monkey on a table. <laughs> Bang, monkey. That's a bold move, monkey. <laughs> what do they expect? I'm going to look at it and get excited. You must have read my mind, mate. I've been, I've been craving monkey all day. <laughs> You can get a bit of moss to go with it, I'll be perfectly happy. When we were canoeing today, I couldn't even row straight because I was thinking, there better be a monkey at the end of this. More people, for the record, eat pancakes than eat monkeys. And I just said that. I didn't even bother to look that one up. I don't eat it. I'm confident in my statement. You don't, you don't get out and see International House of Primates. So my very first cruise was in Alaska. I don't know if you've been up to Alaska. I think I asked last night. It's spectacular. I'm not trying to sell cruises. I'm just telling you where I've been. And the big thing in Alaska is, uh, was there any wildlife so far? Did, were there any uh, porpoises coming in through the sounds? That's, that's always a bonus, isn't it? When you see a thing out there, you're like, Because hey. I spent up in Alaska, I spent hours fail watching. Fail watching is when you're on the deck and you're out there like, I, I think I've spotted a whale, some kind of marine life frolicking about. It's exciting. Oh, it's a whale. And then eventually you realise it's just the way the light and shadow is hitting that wave. And really, you've been looking at nothing for a long time. <laughs> You've got the photo evidence to back it up. <laughs> Fail watching. I saw a lot of knotters when I was in Alaska. Knotters is uh, planks of wood and debris that from far away look like otters. <laughs> but they're knotters. <laughs> And that's it. We were going through the glacier bay right, and people saw the bears. The bear, and everyone's buzzing. The bears, the bears. Did you see the bears? I didn't see the bears. I was annoyed. <laughs> You've got to have binoculars. In fact, anybody got binoculars? You can run the ship with binoculars. If you stand anywhere on a ship and you go, ooh, with your binocular, everyone will be like, what, what, what? <laughs> 
follow him. He has a special vision. He knows where the bear is. And I was, I was annoyed because I hadn't seen the bear yet. And I was just disappointed. I was talking to someone on the ship. And uh, they said, oh, well, we have a naturalist on board. Go talk to the naturalist. And, and I, I got scared because I'd confused my words. And I thought a naturalist was one of them people that doesn't, doesn't wear any clothes. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not the bear I'm talking about. I'm like, Yogi Bear, Smokey Bear, one of them bears, not that, not that bloke, no, no. What have I learned being on a cruise? Is like, you know, you pick up things, because I've been on many, 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 many ships. Uh, ice cream goes with every single meal, I've learned that. Uh, you can just be eating ice cream and uh, that's what pairs with it perfectly, more ice cream. Uh, there's no elegant way to get out of a deck chair. So just go for it, you're gonna look like a weird crab anyway, so just enjoy it. And no matter how long I've been in that cabin, I can never turn off the light I thought I was gonna turn off. This is that one, and this is that. I think somebody rewires them overnight. Just to keep you like, I, I swear that's the inside and that's the hall one. And now it's switched. We're doing pretty good on this, shall we? I'm just looking at my, my list. I haven't done a show in a long time, so I just want to make sure I do it right. And Australia, Australian people, you know, anybody getting to Australia or New Zealand, it's a long journey, isn't it? No matter where you are. Flying to Australia, it's like a mission to Mars. You get in a plane and you fly for months and months and months and months and months. You dock with the International Space Station and refuel. And you finally, when you finally land in Australia, it's like a sci-fi movie. You know, where they're all in a cryogenic chamber and they're in there and opens up and all that dry ice comes out and they wake up, they're like, what year is it? How long have we been traveling to get to this new place? You have to learn how to walk again because your legs are all wobbling. You stumble outside. You're outside in Australia. It's bright and sunny and the, the sun just burns your clothes off to a speedo and there you are. Australia is a sunny place and there's no ozone to protect you anymore, right? And so we're out there and, and British people come down here at one point. The, the whitest people in the world come down and it's, they left where it's all rainy and it's all sunny down here, right? And they burst in the flames. People are chucking on shrimps and prawns. It was the first Barbie ever. Look how, look how pale I am. I mean, I, I stay out of the sun because I have the fragile skin of a young girl in a Victorian novel afflicted by consumption. I'm to be played by Anne Hathaway in a movie. Here's how, here's how bad the sun is in Australia. And, and I, I don't live there regularly. I mean, you know, this happened to me a few years back. I visited and I had a red spot on my eye. And it was red. And I thought, I thought I had pink eye at first. And the doctor said, no, 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 no. They said, you have, um, you have sunburn on your eyeball. That's, that's how wonderful Australia is. Because I don't know, are there drops with like, you know, sunscreen that you can put in there? <laughs> so now I have to wear protective sunglasses. Big wraparound full face. <laughs> it looks like I'm going welding with Bono everywhere. <laughs> But I, um, 
I'll wrap it up on this. This is what we'll end up on. So I hope you've enjoyed yourself. And I, 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 I'm done. I have one more late show, but um, I hope you had fun last night. I had a great time last night, and I had fun tonight. And I hope you've enjoyed yourself and had a good laugh. And uh, after the show, I'll be in the shop uh, signing cans of Pringles. So stop by. <laughs> Special editions. <laughs> but enjoy the rest of your wonderful cruise. I'll, I'll be out and about, uh, so if you see me, just say hi. But, uh, or not, just keep moving. Ring your bell. What's that? Ring your bell. Ring my bell, exactly. Ding, ding. But um, I, uh, I have family history in the United States of America. My, my great-grandfather actually survived the 1906 earthquake of San Francisco. He, um, he lived in England. <laughs> oh, I'm silly. That's, that's not why he survived. That's... Uh, Wonderful advice for you. If you want to avoid the earthquake, uh, be in another continent when it's going on. No, he, he was there. Well, this is my dad's story, and I, I start to think now when I ask my dad stuff, he doesn't like, what? Did that really happen? Well, you tell me. But um, his, his grandfather survived the earthquake because he, um, I'll give you some quick family history. He, his, my dad's grandfather left England to move to Australia, and we know a lot of that happened, and he, he wasn't a, a prisoner or a convict, so let me just... <laughs> not him. Now, we did the family tree, we had one. I'll own up, I'll say it, we had one, on the mum's side, uh, a counterfeiter. He, he was the only one in the family that ever made money, and it was... <laughs> the one way. And they sent him to Australia. This is all, all absolutely true, by the way. I could tell you more stuff. I could tell you about my, my dad's auntie who married um, Elvis's mother's cousin. So, you know, it's, it's true. Um, anyway, um, but, uh, okay, so the, the counterbitter, they sent him to Australia, and, uh, <laughs> but my dad's grandfather, he, um, he, he left in, in, the, in the late 1800s, and uh, he wasn't a convict or a prisoner, he, and, he, and he, the government didn't send him away, the police, his family did. Because he was a bit of a troublemaker and he enjoyed a few beverages and oh, a few more and he gambled a lot and gambled a lot of money and the families, they paid him to leave England. They, they got rid of him. They said, you, drunkie, come here. We could give you some cash. You'll go to the other side of the world and you'll never come back. And that's the proud stop I come from. <laughs> and just think about it. When you drink too much for English people, you are Australian. <laughs> Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to every one of you, and I hope you've enjoyed yourself, and I hope you have a great uh, rest of your cruise. Thank you very much, and good night. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much. Good night, now.